Hallelujah. Someone say hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's good to have a living hope. I'll say it again. It's good to have a living hope. If you have no hope, you're in trouble. Our hope is in Jesus. If, if, if we have no hope in Jesus, then what are you putting your hope in? He's our living hope. He's alive. He's not dead. He's alive. Amen. Amen. In the Old Testament, it said, I don't know, I'm preaching already. <laughs> he said, it's, he said, he's the God of Abraham. He's the God of Isaac. He's the God of Jacob. They're all alive. There's a living hope and his name is Jesus. I don't know why, but someone needs to know that Jesus is your living hope. You can't put your trust in your works. You can't put your confidence in works. You can't put your confidence in church attendance or being born into a certain family. I met a guy, I had a guy that I worked with one time and he's from Lebanon and he says, we're Christian. I said, I said, you are? He goes, yeah. He goes, my family, you know, I was born into a Christian family. No, you're a Christian when you receive Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life. That's what makes you a Christian. And I don't know why, but I just, right now, I just feel like I really want to emphasize he's your living hope. He's your living hope. There's somebody that's watching online right now, maybe someone here in the room, and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life. And right now, I'm going to give you that opportunity. The Bible teaches us that you know, as men, we fear death. And Jesus came to break that fear. When you put your trust in a living hope, you're not afraid of dying. When you put your confidence in Jesus and his blood and his resurrection, you know, if you believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins, and if you believe that God raised him, am I still on yet? If you believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and that God raised him up from the dead and you confess him as your Lord, the Bible says you're saved. And so we're going to give you an opportunity this morning. I'm here to receive you. We're going to do communion, but we're going to give you an opportunity to receive Jesus. There's somebody that's watching online that you need to receive Jesus. And maybe there's someone here in the room. And all you have to do is just mean this in your heart. You just got to mean business with God. So I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And I want you to pray this simple prayer with me. And I'm inviting whoever this is online, you do the same thing. Say this with me. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, today I'm making a decision. I'm putting my trust in a living hope, in the living God. I put my trust in Jesus today. I confess him as Lord and Savior of my life. I believe that he died on the cross for my sins. Father, I believe that you raised him from the dead. And today, I confess him as my Lord, as my Savior, as my God. Thank you. I'm forgiven. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. If you just did that for the very first time, I want to say welcome to the family of God. Hallelujah. The Bible says that right now in heaven, angels are rejoicing. This is a special day for you. Everything in your past that's wrong is wiped away. And today you have a new beginning. I want to congratulate you. If you did that today, I want you to contact the ministry here and let them know that you gave your life to Jesus. If you're here in the room today, we want you to do the same thing. If you need a place to fellowship or you're welcome to come here, if you're a visitor today, 
this is a great place, right? And it all work out well. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. We're going to receive communion this morning. Right before Jesus went to the cross in Luke's gospel, chapter 22, it says this. Luke's gospel, chapter 22, verse 14, it says, And when the hour had come, he sat down with the twelve and, and the twelve apostles with him. And he said to them, With fervor, I, des- I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Jesus was going to go to the cross and suffer and die for the sins of all the world. And he said, For I say to you, I will no longer eat it until it's fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Well, you know, we're going from the Passover meal to the communion meal here. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. Verse 19 is what I wanted to get to. And he took bread and gave thanks and broke it. And he gave it to them saying, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Jesus' body was broken on the cross. His body bore our sins. He was buried our sins in his own body on the cross. It was broken. And the reason he did it is because he loved you and he loved me. It was an act of love. And another place, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. When you receive Jesus, I encourage you to receive the whole loaf. He goes, I am the bread of life. Then he goes on to say, likewise, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. Jesus was instituting a new covenant, not the old covenant of the law, but it's a covenant of grace and mercy. It's a covenant of love. This is the new covenant covenant in my blood which is shed for you he shed his blood for us for behold the hand of my betrayer is with me on the table and truly the son of man goes as it has been determined but woe to that man by whom he is betrayed you know Jesus at the last supper had Judas sitting at the table with him And Judas was going to betray Jesus. Most people would say, you have to get up and leave because you're working against me. But there was a place for Judas at the table. It's amazing how love works. And when Judas betrayed Jesus, he betrayed him with a kiss, the kiss of death. And yet he was at the table. Why did I say all that, you know? Just because you receive communion doesn't mean that things are right with you and God. It certainly wasn't right between Judas and Jesus that day. There were things in his heart that weren't right. But Judas, like anyone else, had an opportunity to get things right. As we receive communion today, it's about the body of Christ. The bread represents his body and the juice represents his shed blood and a new covenant. But if there's anything that's wrong with you and God as you receive communion today, it's as simple as to say, God, I just want to ask you to forgive me. I know that you love me. And he will forgive you. Amen? Amen. I'm going to pray a prayer here, and we're going to invite people to come up. And is that all right if I do it that way? All right, we're going to invite people to come up and communion's open to everyone. And you can come up as a family. We have these two couples right here. Um, matter of fact, I'll just wait. We're going to invite you. If you stand, please. If you'll just stand, please. Let's pray. Let's do it this way. Let's pray. Father, we're just so thankful that Jesus has loved each one of us and has loved and will love everyone that will ever be born in the future. And today as we receive communion, as we partake of the bread, we thank you that Jesus is the bread of life. We're so grateful for the life of God that's on the inside of us.
And as we receive this cup this morning, we thank you that it's the cup of forgiveness. It's the cup of mercy. It's the cup of grace. It's the cup of redemption, Father, that causes us to run in this race. And so, Lord, we're grateful this morning for these elements. And we receive them by faith in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead and come, please. Thank you, Lord. Glory to your name. Thank you, Father. Thank you for the blood. Thank you for your blood, Lord Jesus. Thank you for the blood that has the power, the power to forgive sins. That shed blood has the power to protect. That, that bought everything, everything we needed for life and godliness. Thank you, Jesus, for the blood applied to our lives. We thank you for it in your holy name. Amen. Amen. Well, why don't you greet each other for about 30 seconds. Don't let it get out of hand. Hallelujah. Well, good job on the greeting. Good job. Very proud of you. Self-control is one of the fruit of the Spirit. Turn with me to John chapter 16. Begin with verse 13, please. We've been here before. We'll be here again. It's a good place to start with this uh, series of on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Began last week. Can't go over all of that that did do before. Are the kids staying in? Are the kids staying in with us today? Those? They never were in here? Oh. Well, I see children. I don't know. I see children. But we've been uh, started out doing the uh, this series on the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and last week was the first official week, and then. Uh, but now we're beginning with John chapter 16, beginning with verse 13. It says, When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. For He will not speak on His own authority. But whenever or but whatever He hears, He will speak. And He will declare to you the things that are to come. Now, just want to, you know, hope you, hopefully you notice the emphasis I put each time. It's He. The Holy Spirit is not a force. The Holy Spirit's not a force. The Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit is a he. He, when he comes, he will reveal and he will say and he will do. He, he is one of the triune God. How does that work? I have no idea. I have some opinions, I have some thoughts, I have some ideas. I've heard some really smart people explaining it. But let's just assume that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are all one. Because that's what the Bible says. He, he is part of the Godhead, the triune Godhead. He is God. Just like the Father is God. Just like the Son is God. Now, how does that all work? We'll know one day. One day we'll see face to face. There won't be a veil. There won't be a veil of, huh, I wonder how that works. Until then, we just, that's one of the things we go, huh, I wonder how that works. But he, I wanted to make sure we say, we know, we recognize he, he, because he is a he. He's a he. Amen? Verse 14. <laughs> Excuse me. He will glorify me, for he will take uh, what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Wow, that is a loaded verse, isn't it? All that the Father has. You know, we don't, we, we, we put all the words together, it starts to get, you know, we can, it can get cloudy. Say, take it very slowly. All that the Father has is mine. Jesus is saying that. Jesus said, all that the Father has is mine. There's other places in the Word that says, because of his obedience, all things have been put under his feet. All things. All things. Everything. There's nothing 
that is created, nothing that exists, nothing that is, is, that isn't under his authority. And he's given, uh, the Father gave all of it to Jesus. Then he says, therefore I said that he, the Holy Spirit, will take what is mine, Jesus, and declare it to you. Now think about that for just a second. If all knowledge, all wisdom, all ability, all things have been given to Jesus, and he said that the Holy Spirit's job is to give it to you, to declare it to you, to tell you, to tell you. He says he will declare it to you. So what's our job? Receive it. Receive it. Believe it. Search it out. Going, going after it. We have a part to play in this. He will declare it to us, but it's our job to walk it out. And that's exactly what we're doing. That's exactly what we're in the middle of here. We've been in the middle of it from the time you got born again. For some of you, it's been decades, literally decades, half centuries or more. For others, it's been about 15 minutes. Praise God. But from here on out, we're searching out those things that God has already given Jesus, Jesus has already given us, and the Holy Spirit is here to reveal it to us. And today is one of those days, here's one of those opportunities for him to reveal more to you. Go over to Acts chapter 1. Setting a stage here, setting a foundation to talk about. Because we don't just take ideas and go, you know, I think this is a great idea, let's just, let's just live this way. No, there's a, the Word of God tells us how to live, shows us how to live. Acts chapter 1, beginning with verse 6, very familiar. We go there a lot, but it's a good thing to keep going there because faith cometh by hearing and hearing the Word of God. For, uh, Acts chapter 1, beginning with verse 6. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? That's the disciples. They're asking him, okay, we did all this. You did all this. Is now the time? Verse 7. He said to them, it's not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. Verse 8. This is the big one. But you will receive power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Jesus tells them, go to Jerusalem, don't leave there until, I, until you receive the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit comes on you, you will receive power. And that's what we're talking about in this series, is what is the power? What exactly are we talking about here? What does he want me to have? What, is, what did Jesus want his disciples to have? What did, he want, what did he say was so important that he didn't want them to leave? You know, because he said, we, we see in, in uh, Mark, uh, we see in Mark, we see in Matthew, we see that go into all the world and preach the gospel. But don't go until you have the power. Why? Because you need power. I need power. You need power. We need the power of God to do what he's asked us to do. So, when we do it, we'll be witnesses. Now, go over to Acts chapter 2. This is a number of days later. We don't know exactly how many days later. I suppose if you go by the whatever religious calendar, the ascension is one day and then, you know, a certain day, and then there's so many days later is the day of Pentecost. I don't know that calendar. Uh, those who know, know it better, Brian, do you know what the, how many days between? Wow. There's a bunch of you. I said, y'all know what, to, <laughs> yeah, 10 days. Awesome. They were in the upper room 10 days. They, were, they hung out for 10 days. Why didn't the Holy Spirit come on the first day? Because they were waiting. Why? Because the time hadn't been fulfilled yet. Why? Because it needed to be fulfilled on the day of Pentecost, 50 days from the time of the resurrection, or from the, from the yeah, from the resurrection, 50 days, that's, when, that's the appointed time. There's appointed times. And he said, wait, don't go anywhere, even if you have to wait 11 days. Don't go anywhere. Get, receive the Holy This is important. Don't go anywhere until you receive the Holy Spirit. Don't leave here until you receive the Holy Spirit. Don't leave here today until you receive the Holy Spirit. You don't have to wait 10 days anymore because the Holy Spirit was poured out on the day of Pentecost. We don't have to wait to receive the Holy Spirit. Now all we have to do is ask. Ask and receive. Amen? Ask and receive. So, 10 days later, 
the, the Holy Spirit, we get to Acts chapter 2, says, when the day of Pentecost arrived, I think the, old, the King James says, when the fullness of time had come, or when the day of Pentecost had fully come, it says, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly, suddenly, there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues of, as of fire appeared to them and rested on each, on each one of them. So, when the Holy Spirit comes today, it's going to look like fire, Right? Very little confidence in this group this morning. <laughs> Remember last week's sermon. If that when the Holy Spirit comes, there'll be fire. Not necessarily. Could there be? Sure. Well, there's going to be at least wind, a noise of wind, right? No, no. Now I've heard of I've heard of people who have been in a place where they were praying and, and it got windy. You know, I mean, there was wind. There was noise. Stuff happened. Okay, well, cool. Wonderful. There's, a, there's an old recording, I don't even know if I could find it anymore, of a, of a meeting up in, up in Alaska. It was in an Inuit village. And they were preaching. You've heard that one? Yeah, yeah. There's, it's amazing because they, they were in revival, you know, and revival. And they, they'd had revivals there before. This wasn't like any normal revival. In the middle of revival, a young girl got up walked up to the front, she goes, I just feel like God's telling me to repent. And when she began to repent, the room started getting filled with noise. They said at one point it sounded like a, like a, like a jet landing. It was roaring in the room. You hear it on the, on the recording. And a revival started there that just swept through village after village after village. But it was because of obedience, because she did what God told her to do. Things can happen, but it doesn't mean it's going to happen. Sometimes, you, you, when you pray and you say, Lord, fill me with the Holy Spirit, and, and nothing happens. Okay, that's all right. It doesn't have to happen. You, know, you don't have to go, well, how come everybody else is feeling something and I'm not? I know people who've never felt anything, never felt the presence of the Holy Spirit, never had the tinglies, never had the, the warm fuzzies. I don't know. I'm just throwing words out there. I don't know if that's the actual way to explain it or... They've never heard anything. Well, that's fine. We take it by faith. We talked about that last week, and that's all I'm going to that's all I'm going to say about that. <laughs> Verse 4. Verse 4, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Verse 5, and now they're dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together, and they were bewildered, because each one hurt was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? Now, is, does that still happen today? Does God still speak through someone in a different language that they don't know and somebody else hears them saying it? Does the God still do that? Yeah, he still does it. I know at least three people that that's happened to. I know a guy that, that led somebody to the Lord, uh, Ernst. We actually support him. Our church, out of the giving each month, uh, our, we, we support their ministry over in Belarus. They were missionaries in uh, China, and he was sitting in his apartment because he can't speak Chinese. He doesn't speak Chinese, and he couldn't wait. And he was, you know, the interpreters were, were concerned about going out and witnessing. He goes, I can't take it anymore. I have to go witness. If you know Ernst, you know he can't take it anymore. He's got to go witness. So he told his wife, I'm going to go witness to somebody. She goes, you don't speak Chinese. He goes, I don't care. He got into a, ta a taxi cab, hailed a taxi cab, got in the back seat, and he started talking in tongues started speaking in tongues. The driver had to pull over, began to cry, prayed, and he spoke to him, and the guy started speaking back to him. He says he changed. I mean, he just, he got born again right there. He says, he have no idea what he said. I know another person who was in the Philippines, and he was going to pray for somebody, and, and he says, well, he didn't know what to pray. So he prayed in their language. I'm sorry, yeah, I got it way ahead of myself. He started praying in tongues. Had no idea what he was saying. He just thought, I'm going to buy faith, I'm going to start praying in tongues. He starts praying in tongues. At the end, the person was said, amen, and then started speaking to him in a language he didn't understand. 
And he goes, oh, oh, excuse me, I don't understand what you're saying. And they said, well, of course you do. And he goes, I'm sorry, I don't know your language. And they said, well, you just prayed, uh, you know, the whole prayer was in my language. So there are, that still happens today. That's not odd. That's the power of God. That's, that's, that's the power. That's the power because it's supernatural. It's not in their own ability. That's not what I want to talk about today. It's good stuff, though. Verse 40, go all the way down to verse 40. This is the end of Peter's speech, because remember, if you go between verse 7 and verse 39, we know that the, everybody's there like, well, these guys are drunk. These guys are drunk. Why? Why did they say they're drunk? Because they're acting drunk. That, we are not going to talk about that today either. But sometimes when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you just kind of get happy. The good kind of happy. Not the hangover kind of happy. But the good happy. The happy, happy. <laughs> I could keep going, but I won't. The happy, happy, happy. You know, you just... And they say, well, they're drunk. He says, I'm not, they're not drunk as you suppose. They're filled with the Holy Spirit. This is what Joel talked about. When they get filled with the when God pours out his spirit on all flesh. It's not just the priests. It's not just the kings. It's not just the, he said, when he pours out his spirit on all flesh, your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your old, blah, 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 blah. And they start talking about what's going to happen. He says, that's what we're talking about here. He preached a sermon. He tells the story of Jesus in just a few verses, a few sentences, and 3,000 people get saved. That's power. They go from, these guys are drunk, to repenting in mass and getting baptized. That's power. That's the kind of power we're talking about. Hallelujah. All right. Verse 40. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. You know, you could preach that today. You know that? Verse 41. So those who received this word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Hallelujah. That's what happens when the Holy Spirit comes on you. When the Holy Spirit comes, you change. When the Holy Spirit came on me, the reason I knew, the first evidence I saw of the Holy Spirit changing, or that when the Holy Spirit came on me, is I started to change. I had shared my faith before that. I had told people, hey, I can't do that anymore because I'm saved. Oh, you're one of them now. And I would share my faith. And it was, it, you know, I'm, I'm being obedient. I'm, being, I'm doing what God told me to do. I even went out on the street. I even went out and, and street preached. God led me one night to go hand tracks out in front, of a, in front of a strip joint. Sorry, I didn't know if I could say that in church. I had to work it through in my head a few, a few times. <laughs> God led me to go, go hand out tracks. Cold winter night. He said, go downtown. I'll tell you where to go. I get downtown. He goes, stand in front of the strip joint. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. You want me to do what? Stand in front, hang out in front of the strip joint. I was handing out tracks. I had one guy, still I'll remember it forever. He came out of the bar drunk, looked at me, he was a biker. There's a lot of bikers in that area. Big guy, big guy. I say, when I say B, he's a big guy, he's a big guy. <laughs> big guy. And he, I said, hey, Jesus loves you. Handed him a track. He looked at it, swore at me, threw it in my chest, said, get the blank out of here, leave me alone, and walked away. That happened more that night than anything else. I mean, rejection. What, 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 what about my feelings? What if my, I don't, at that point, I don't care. Preach the gospel. Get people saved. You know what? And the Holy Spirit told me as he was walking away, he says he'll remember that on the day of judgment. And my heart just goes, my heart's not proud of, I mean, I don't get big-headed. I just, my heart just aches for him. Most people. I found those tracks laying all over. I had to go around and pick them up off the ground. That night, I just kept handing them out. People kept doing with what they walked around the corner. It was a big, you know, whole pile of them. I just, why well, I went home that night, really, uh, you know, kind of like, ah. Uh, it's like, I never, nobody didn't pray with anybody. I didn't, nothing changed. You know, nothing, nobody got saved. You know, the revival didn't start. But I did what God told me to do. Next morning, I go to church. I'm sitting in the back because I like to sit in the back of church. Now I have to sit in front of church, but I was sitting in the back. 
And I'm just sitting there going, Lord, you know, was last night, was there anything about last night? And just then the back door opened up and a young woman walked through that I remember seeing that night that I handed to. Walked through the back door. I didn't know, I don't know if she received the Lord or whatever, but it's like, he just, it was like a, you know, that, that bone I needed, you know, that, that help. Well, that was before. Then I get filled with the Holy Ghost. Things start to change. All of a sudden, I mean, I was scared to death that night. Just telling you, if you ever, God ever tells you to go hand out uh, 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 tracks at a strip joint, you know, you're going to be a little nervous outside the strip joint. Just so you're knowing, outside, not inside, outside. Clarity. Outside, outside. But then I get filled with the Holy Spirit, and it's like, at that point, I can't help it. I'm at work. And I was, I was, I got, I was at work, and I was working, I can't tell you the whole story, but I was, I was at work, and, and I had, before I'd had a really cake job, really great job, and then I screwed up, and then they, they, they took that job away. I, some people have experienced that before. All right, they took that job away from me, and then took me back, and I was working a terrible job. I mean, this job, and it was during that time the Lord got a hold of me, brought me to the bottom. There's many other things that were happening. Brought me to the bottom. And got say, you know, rededicated my life to the Lord. Then, then I get filled with the Holy Ghost. And it was like, then I got captive audience. These people are working on a line for eight, day, or for eight hours a day, and they're bored to tears. And so I got this captive audience. So I just walk up and down the lawn, line. Hey, how you doing? And they'd be talking to, hey, Jesus loves you, you know. I'd say other things. I can't remember exactly. That was 35 years ago. I don't remember what I said back then, but it was good. It was the word. Preaching people. I had one lady one time yell. She could, I can't tell you that story. All of a sudden, I just, <laughs> these things keep popping into my head. You, you've, you've really, you've made some difference in my life. Thank you, sweetheart. I was like, all of a sudden, the filter came up. Going, no, don't tell that story. Just, I'll just say what she said was she was mocking. She said something vulgar. All of a sudden, I was going to say, oh, I remember. Oh, no. She said something very vulgar. I can't say it. But bottom line, they, were, they would ridicule me, but I would witness, 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 witness. And I would just, you know, have opportunity to share. People would come and ask me questions and so on. Okay. Well, once I had witnessed to everybody, I saw it one day. Once I witnessed to everybody on that line, the Holy Spirit moved me to a different job. I was like, oh, fresh meat. Glory to God. And I just had an opportunity to start talking because now by now they knew and everybody else was warning them, hey, so-and-so is coming, you know. <laughs> witnessed everybody on that line. Once I had witnessed everybody there, I moved to the next line. I just kept being moved from job to job in that factory. I was like, I recognized it almost right away. I was like, God, this is fun. This is cool. About six months into it, by this time I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, that woman, see, I can't tell you the whole story because that was vulgar. Just to understand, she was a vulgar woman. I mean, she was nasty. I'm working out in this other uh, part, and all of a sudden she comes up beside me. I'm thinking, oh, great, here it comes, you know, here it comes. And she, she has this very serious look on her face. She goes, can I, can I talk to you about something? I was like, sure. She said, my friend was in a car accident this weekend. Very bad. Uh, she's actually in a vegetative state. They said she probably won't live. And if she does live, she'll never be right. Her mind will never be right. Will you pray for her? This woman who six months earlier was just nasty, vulgar. So will you pray? I said, absolutely, I'll pray. Right there in the, right there in the factory, right in the, the hallway, I stick my hand out. I said, pray. I said, I'll pray right now. And I just said, in the name of Jesus, she will live and she will not die. And she will declare the glory of God. She will not die. She will live, and her mind will be right in Jesus' name. The next day, I walked past her on the line. I said, how's she doing? She goes, not good. Not good at all. She's still in a vegetative state. The doctor says, that we don't know how long they can keep her in this. They might, they're talking about pulling the plug. And I just said, I'm telling you, she's going to live and not die. Two days, three days, a week goes by. I would stop every day. I made sure I stopped every day. How's she doing? Not good. Six days, eight days, 10 days, 15 days, day after day. And I would keep saying, how's she doing? She goes, not, she's still in the, in the coma. They can't, they, she, they can't bring her out of the coma. And they say the longer she's in the coma, the worse it's going to be. She probably won't live. 20 days, 25 days. 
On the 30th day, I walked by, and I, was, I saw her, and I was just going to walk up, and I was going to say the same thing I said every day. And I walked up, and she, she was beaming from ear to ear, smiling. And I said, what's up? And she goes, she came out of the coma last night, and she's fine. Her mind is normal. Her, everything about her is normal. And I was like, praise God. I said, that's the power of God. That's the anointing. Change. It, it's, something changes in you. When you're filled, but then if you don't do anything with it, well, then it will wane. It will. It just will. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Here's where we're actually going to spend most of the, most of the uh, time here in this series. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, begin with verse 1. Read this last week, but I want to read it again and then go from there. It says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. Now there are various, or there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. Verse 7, to each, say each. each. Remember we talked about that last week. Each means everyone, all, to each. To each what? To each believer, to each, each uh, Christian. Each, th- those in Mark chapter 16, it says, for those who believe. For those who believe, they will do these things. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. They will, do, they will pick up any deadly thing and they will not get sick. They will not harm them. Blah, blah, blah. They, who are they? They is you. They is me. They is anyone who is born again, who have received Jesus as their Lord and Savior, you, that's each. Then when we wait, we get filled with the Holy Spirit, now we have the power. There's actual tangible power that changes you and then gives you the power to do what he wants you to do at any given time. To each, verse 7, is given the manifestation. What's manifestation? Big buck and a quarter word. Manifestation means you actually see it. You see something. It, it happens in the natural. It actually happens in the natural. It's not just, you know, well, in the spirit, things are going to change. Yeah, well, that's going to change there first. It's going to change there too. But it actually changes out here. Something happens out here. It's a manifestation of the spirit. To each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. Why does the Holy Spirit come on us? Because he wants to help people. He wants to help people. He wants to help fellow believers. He wants to help the lost. He wants to help people who are hurting. He wants to help people who are proud. Sometimes, sometimes the gifts of the Holy Spirit are to show somebody, you're wrong. You're wrong. Well, you think, well, give me an example. All right, one night I was in a meeting and there was some young men there. There was two young men and they were, they were going to Bible school. They were Christians. They were going to Bible school. But they were going to a Bible school that said, this whole Holy Spirit thing ended 2,000 years ago. It's done. It's over. It it's doesn't happen anymore. God doesn't fill people with the Spirit. doesn't give them power anymore. And they were being drilled and drilled and drilled and drilled and drilled. This doesn't happen anymore. These young men had grown up in a church just like this. They had heard, yes, he does, yes, he does, yes, he does. Their whole childhood, but now they're in college, and you can just see they're starting to pull back, starting to pull back. Well, that night, we're having a meeting, and it gets wild. I mean, it gets really wild. I mean, there's people running around, people running around hooting and hollering, yelling, screaming, jumping up and down. I mean, we're talking Pentecostal kind of stuff. We're talking about... If they had chandeliers, they'd have been swinging from it. I'm telling you. Blah, 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 blah. These, these two are sitting in the back, towards the back like this. Because they had started believing it. And it's getting wilder. And it's getting wilder. You know, sometimes things just need to get wild. Well, wait a second. We're, we understand this. We, all, we know all about this spirit stuff. God doesn't have to do it. No. You need to get wild sometimes. You need to cut loose sometimes. Maybe this morning. <laughs> Just maybe. You're going, no, 
<laughs> yeah, maybe you. They're sitting back there with their arms crossed, they're upset, and then people, it's getting, it's getting crazier, it's getting crazier. All of a sudden the speaker says, uh, you two gentlemen right back there, why don't you come up here? And you could just see on their face, kind of like, all right, let's see what you got. He asked them, I said, are you, he said, are you born again? They said, yes. He says, do you love God? They said, yes. He said, do you want everything God wants for you? And they said, yes. And he goes, okay. <laughs> he laid hands on them. The power of God hit them, and they went nuts. <laughs> I mean, they were running around. They were falling on the ground. They were jumping up. They were, we need to have one of those services. Not because we're going to make it happen, but, you know, how many of you are open to just having a wild one some more? I, I can tell. Well, that's the fastest hands I've ever went up in my, I've ever seen when I've had, yes, I want to go wild. <laughs> they start jumping up and down. They start hooting and hollering. And I still remember one grabbed the other one, kind of grabbed him by the shirt. He goes, it's real. <laughs> Change change they're not drunk as you suppose they're drunk in the holy ghost but they're not drunk as you suppose where was i <laughs> empowers oh common good why because it's the common good he wants to bless people he wants people to be blessed he wants people to see him they want it's the it's the well i'm gonna get ahead of myself stop it verse eight for to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge, according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles, plural. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. You know, it's not just good enough to, to go, well, I go to a church where the pastor believes in this stuff, and if I need anything, I can go there for the healing, or I can go there for the, the, the word of knowledge or the word of wisdom. I mean, I, I have a cousin, I have a cousin who is into all this. I'll just hang out with him or her, and they'll, they'll do it. No, it's for each one, and it's not for your own benefit. The moment you change that, the moment you realize that somebody who's, who flows in the prophetic is not for your benefit, but it's for the benefit of all, and that you actually have a gift that is there to benefit somebody else, that's what we're talking about. Because when the body of Christ starts flowing as the body of Christ, you know, if, if I tried to play volleyball with one arm, it's going to look really funny. You know, I mean, I can still spike, and I can still bump, bump, set, bump, or set. Yeah, I know, yeah. I watched in the Olympics. I didn't know that setters could be like this or like this. I didn't know that. It's, I learned something. doesn't matter. Okay, moving forward. <laughs> but if I, if I only try to do this with one hand, I'm only going to be partially effective. I need both hands and both feet, and both legs, and both shoulders, and muscles, and, and I need all the internal stuff you can't see because, you know, though I can look great on the outside, but if I ain't got no internal organs, yeesh, you know, I mean, that doesn't do anybody any good. It's all working together. You, some of you are the internal organs of, no, I'm sorry, I'm losing it here. We need everybody. We need everybody operating in the gift that God gives you at the moment. And I said that very carefully. The gift that God has given you at the moment. Because some people think, well, he's given me one gift and that's the only gift I'll ever have. And if, when it comes up, I'll just... No. He wants to give you the gift he needs you to have in that moment, whatever the situation is. I think. I'd have to go through my mind again, but I'm pretty sure I've operated in almost all of them at one point or time in the last 30 years. 
at some point in time. I have to think about it. I'm pretty sure at some point in time, whether a big one or a little one, you know, big, wild, crazy one, I'll tell you stories. You tell me your stories. I just heard what somebody shared this morning, a story. I was like, you got to share that when we talk about healings. Healings. It's good stuff. Good to have testimonies. But he gives it to it, gives them to us for the common good. We all need to do it. This next move of God, uh, that was something I've been talking to a number of people. It seems like everywhere you go, everybody you listen to, they're teaching on the gifts of the Holy Spirit right now. Either hearing the voice of God or the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Why? I mean, you've got to take notice of that kind of stuff. When you start bumping into it over and over and over again, I do. I, I'm always watching. I didn't start doing this because, oh, well, so-and-so's doing it, and I'm going to be cool. and you know. No, Holy Spirit talked to me months ago about next thing you're going to do is the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Start getting ready for it. Start working your outline. Start working the, the direction. Why? Why is the Holy Spirit taking, taking from what he has been given? You know, he's taking from what Jesus is giving him, and he's saying, okay, now, folks, you need to get, we need to be very awake, very uh, uh, focused on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because we're going to need them. We need them already, but we're really going to need them here shortly. Why? Because the body of Christ, this next part of the revival, this next moving forward is not about me laying hands on people every Sunday and you know, seeing miracles or whatever. No, it's everyone operating in the gifts. Everyone, as the Spirit leads, having words of wisdom, words of knowledge. And if we don't know what they actually are, if I had just called somebody randomly, put your hand up if you're ready, except you Bible students, I know you. If just anybody else who's not a Bible student or hasn't been one in the last two years, if you can define what the word of knowledge is, raise your hand, I'll have you come up and explain it to everybody. Exactly. Because you're not really, per, per, how, okay, now Bible school students. How many Bible students, if, you, if I asked you, not pastors, Bible school students, <laughs> I'll come to you next, but we'll get there. But we just, we're not really sure. What is the word of knowledge? What does that mean? How does it operate? Well, we need to know that. How do we know that? Teaching. Teaching. I mean, the Holy Spirit can teach us because the Bible says we don't need a teacher. He'll teach us. But praise God, there are people who have heard from the Holy Spirit and, and are able to teach it. It's much faster. We can, we can all get it. And then there's some people who don't want to listen. They get to hear it too. Why? Because we're going to be walking in, the whole church is going to be walking in power. Everywhere you go, there are going to be people prophesying, people laying hands on the sick, people performing miracles everywhere, everywhere. When it's happening everywhere, they can't ignore it. Everywhere, everywhere. Oh man, schools are going to be so fun. Because I'm telling you, youth, young people want to see miracles. Why? Because they're watching all these superhero movies. You know? The Green Flash. I don't know, is that one of them? Green Flash. <laughs> I, apparently I'm so uncool at this moment. <laughs> the Flash? I'm cool in other ways. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, he just said, oh, you're, you're cool in other ways. Yeah, great, great. That's, that's, that's kind of like saying, oh, you've got a nice personality. You know? <laughs> Give me a superhero. Superman. Superman. Okay, yeah. I know him. Okay. Um, <laughs> right. He's got this power. And why does he have the power? For his own benefit? I could tell you a joke, but it's totally inappropriate. So no, I won't. Okay. It, the the punchline is, Superman, you are such a jerk when you're drunk. You know, that's the, you know, you, now you got to know the story, don't you? Okay, really quick. I can't believe, no. No. Okay, no. All right. I, I, know. I know. Why does Superman have that? Because it's for the common good. It's to help people. I mean, the world wants to, they, they just so much want there to be a Superman. Thank you. There is. And? 
and us. Yeah, there we go. It's us. We can have superpowers, supernatural powers. Why? So I can wear a cape and a tights? No, nobody wants to see that. <laughs> nobody. No, but it's to help people. It's to help people. And when you realize it's not about you, it's about, Lord, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to help somebody today? Lord, I'll do whatever you tell me to do. I'll go wherever you tell me. I'll, I'll, if, you want me to, if you want me to prophesy to somebody, if you want me to, to lay hands on if you want me to walk on water, okay. If that's what you want, I'll do whatever you want. When you're open to that, it's going to start happening. And you've got to know how to operate in it. You've got to know what it is. Explain. You've got to understand what it is and how to operate in it. I'm going to give you about a three-minute warning, Nathaniel. Three-minute warning. Three minutes. I'll be done in three minutes. I promise. <laughs> Timer. Real quick. Real quick. I'm going to give you three groupings. Three groupings of the gifts. There are nine <laughs> gifts mentioned here. Now, there are actually nine uh, gifts, but there's also other uh, distributions of the Spirit. We'll talk about that in the future. We don't have time today. But there are three uh, uh, groupings that uh, Kenneth Hagin and others have, have uh, preached it for many, many years. I'm taking this information from the, uh, his book, The Holy Spirit and the Gifts. I encourage you to get this. It's really a phenomenal book. Uh, the Holy Spirit and His Gifts by Kenneth E. Hagin. Three classes or three groupings. The first is the revelation gifts, spiritual gifts that reveal something the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, the discerning of spirits. Then there are three power gifts, power gifts, spiritual gifts that do something. Do something. The gift of faith, the working of miracles, the gifts of healings. And the third grouping, and we're going to go well into depth. Don't get too worried about it yet. We're just going to, I want to throw something new out every day, every time we get together. And the third grouping is the three utterance or inspirational gifts. The three utterance, utterance, speaking, language. The utterance or inspirational gifts. Spiritual gifts that say something. Prophecy, diverse or different kinds of tongues, and the interpretation of tongues. Tongues in our prayer language is one thing. The gift of tongues is something different. It's, it's, it's more, it's not the same thing. It operates, sounds like the same thing, but it's different. We'll explain all of that as we move along. Just the three, I want you to put, if, you got, if you're taking notes or if you're watching again and taking notes later, the three groupings are the revelation gifts, the power gifts, and the utterance or inspirational gifts. Nathaniel, turn it over to you. Okay, for the brothers in the booth, I only need one scripture on the screen, and that's Matthew 6, 21 in the New King James, because that's where we're going. In the meantime, I just want to read several scriptures, talk about a couple concepts, and then we'll, and then we'll be done. So I'll be starting in Romans 15. Romans 15, um, verse 27, it pleased them indeed, and they are their debtors, for if the Gentiles have been partakers of their spiritual things, it is their duty, their duty is also to minister to them in material things. There's an exchange here. Spiritual things, or spiritual things being ministered in exchange for material things. Um, we see the same thing again in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, where the Apostle Paul says, if we have sown spiritual things for you, is it a great thing if we reap your material things? And a few verses down from there, he says, even so, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should live from the gospel. So there is a Bible exchange here of spiritual truth, spiritual things being ministered in exchange for material things. Um, and then I want to go over into um, Hebrews 
where we see the same thing in the story of the, of the life of Abraham. Um, it was a great story. The first Israeli commando raid, um, Abraham was a military guy too. Four kings took out five kings. Among the, among the five cities that were taken out was uh, Abraham's nephew, Lot, and his family. So Abraham arms his household, goes after him, and the Bible doesn't even say anything about, about how the battle went. It just talks about how far that, that Abraham pursued these, the, these armies. So it was a decisive victory. And here in Hebrews 7, it says, For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, that was Jerusalem before it was Jerusalem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all. And so here we have Melchizedek um, receiving a tithe from Abraham and conferring a blessing upon Abraham. And so this is throughout the Word of God. One, there, there was one occasion when I got a letter in the mail from, from a, a place that called itself a ministry, and, um, and it, was, it was printed in big print and underlined, and, and uh, it was all about give, 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 um, sow a seed for a supernatural harvest. Uh, we're going to be a debt-free army. So, so, do this, do this. And it was all about, and when I, when I checked my heart about it, I thought, no, I'm not going there because they haven't qualified they haven't given me anything spiritual. They're just about give, 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 but they haven't given me any, any teaching or, or anything spiritual at all. Um, and so, so I did not participate. Um, when we give in this way, it, it is part of our worship. Are we giving to get? Are we paying for our blessings? I don't see it that way. In God's dealings with with man, we're, we're in a covenant with God where he has his part and we have our part. It's a, it, it's a two-sided thing. You know, he tells us to, to pray. Uh, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so we, our part is to pray and, and then it, it brings his intervention here. Um, he says, draw, draw near to me and I'll... I'll draw near to you. So there's always something that we, that we do and then something that, that God does, and it's heaven and earth working together. All preachers want is my money. No. No. The preacher is, is a gift to you to put you on the straight and narrow path and lead you to eternal life, but there's a whole world system out here um, that wants not only your, your money, but your soul. And, um, and so, let me get to this verse. Matthew six twenty one. there we go. Jesus said, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Where we, our treasure represents our life. It represents our life's work. And when we, when we put our treasure in the kingdom of God, Jesus said it's connected to our heart. And so if I put my treasure with God, it'll help my heart to go with God. Okay? And that's, and that's how that works. King David was a man after God's own heart, but check out how extravagantly he gave towards God's temple and towards... Um, a place for the Ark of the Covenant. There was a man that D David said, I want to buy this field from you to, as, a, as a place where we can put the Ark of the Covenant. And the man was so wonderful. He said, no, no, I'll just give it to you. And David said, I refuse to give God something that costs me nothing. And David's heart was always with, with God. Amen.
Dear Lord, thank you that we can participate with you in establishing your kingdom here. I ask you to bless every giver and every gift. Thank you for multiplying, multiplying finances back to, to everyone that participates. And thank you also for them receiving spiritual things that this ministry has to offer. In Jesus' name, amen.